Please join with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we continue to to move through this season of Lent, remind us by your word and spirit of of what it's all about. Remind us of the struggles that we have with with sin, with our own sinful desires. Remind us of the of the consequences of our sin and what happens if we remain unrepentant and turn our eyes toward the cross of Jesus that we might set our eyes upon him and be saved. Help us to live in this world with the light of Christ shining brightly in our hearts and lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What would you do if you saw this? Would you go ahead and cross the line and walk through that particular area? Or would you go around avoiding it? Anyone brave enough to answer? Quick show of hands. How many of you would just ignore the sign and walk right in? Only Jeff and I raised our hands. Ainsley. And yet, in reality, we cross the sign and we wander in each and every day. Because this is exactly what the Word of God says. Beware. Have no other gods before me. Beware. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Beware. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Beware lest you fall into temptations of sin. Beware unless you fall prey to the devil. And sometimes we don't just read the sign and ignore it. Sometimes we crash headlong right through it in our disobedience to God. Sometimes 
perhaps we'd like to just take a can of paint and cover the sign up so that we don't need to be reminded of it. You see, that's exactly what happens with, with sin. We are bitten. Just like the children of Israel in the Old Testament who become impatient with God, who aren't happy with the way that God is doing things or where God is leading them, and who begin to speak against God and against his servant Moses. They grumble and complain. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this place? No food, no water, and we loathe this worthless food, the very food that God has been providing for them in the manna and the quail. If you were God, you would have had every right to strike the entire grumbling horde down to the ground with lightning bolts and death. So what does God do? He sends the fiery serpents, as they're described in our text today, among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. It reminds us of exactly what Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, the wages of sin is death. And no one is righteous not even one. In this instance, however, the people begin to recognize perhaps their plight because they come to Moses and they say, we have sinned. We've sinned against the Lord and against you. I wonder... I wonder today if our culture could be snake bit enough to even acknowledge sin. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And so Moses prayed for the people. But God answered the prayer in a way that they did not expect. You see, God didn't take away the serpents. The people continued to be bit. But what he did tell Moses to do was to make a fiery serpent and to set it up on a pole so that everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. Now, the question is, why doesn't God simply take the snakes away? And it's really the same question that people ask all the time. Why doesn't God simply take sin out of our world? Why doesn't he take the temptations to sin out of this world? 
Why do we have to face sin and death all day long? Why not simply take it all away? I don't know. I struggle with that question. Why doesn't God do it that way? And the only thing I can come to is that God's will and God's mind is so far above me that I can't comprehend his purposes or his ways or his reasons for doing things the way that he does them. Could not God in all of his power and might simply remove the fiery serpents and healed all of those who had been bitten? Yes. But you see, the only thing we can fall back on is the very same thing that that the people then could fall back on, is the promise of God that those who look upon that serpent shall live. There is an element of trust, an element of faith that is involved here. It's likened to the, to the Syrian, Naaman, who was battling leprosy and he went to find the prophet of Israel to be healed. The prophet didn't even come out of his house. He sent a serpent out. A serpent. A servant out. You know, you got serpents on your mind. That's what comes out. He sent a servant out and told Naaman, well, all you got to do is go dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be cleansed. What? We have cleaner waters than these back home. But he dipped himself. We've talked about this before. Think about that process. Dip yourself the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time. Nothing's happening. But on that seventh time, you persisted in faith, trusting the promises, and you persisted in the seventh time Your skin is cleansed and like that of a newborn baby. There is a trust required here. A trust that when you look at the serpent on the pole, even though you may have been bitten several times, you will live. Why did God need to send Jesus? Couldn't he have just taken the the impact of sin away? And as Moses 
lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him, that whoever looks up to him will not die, but have eternal life. See, God continues to do it his way. And it's not an easy way. It's a hard way. Because, you see, God allows the nails to be driven through the feet and the hands of his one and only son whom he loves. rather than to have them driven through our hands and our feet. We know the verse. We said it several times. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He takes our sinful disobedience, the passions to sin that we have, as Paul writes, And in the richness of his mercy, because of the great love that he has for us, he takes our sin and heaps it upon his one and only son so that we who are snake-bitten and dead in our trespasses can look up and see Christ hanging on a cross and shedding his blood for us. And be saved. Be made alive in Christ. And not in our own works. For it is by grace you have been saved. And and this through faith, not from yourselves. It's a gift, a gift from God Almighty at the expense of his one and only Son. His love lavished upon us who had wandered away from him. We have been saved because of Christ. And so what do we do? We look upon the cross and we live. We don't focus our eyes on the world and the death that comes through the sin of the world. We look to Christ and we live in his grace each and every day, listening to his voice to do the things which he has called us to do. 
to do the good works that he's prepared for us in advance. To look at our lives in such a way that we see our entire life and who we are with all of our gifts, our skills, our talents, our treasures as being bestowed upon us by God himself so that we don't hoard them to ourselves, but we use them so that we can be a blessing to those around us. That we might lead them up the mountain into a cross where they can look up to Jesus and even though they have been snake bitten by the sins of this world and their own behaviors and rebellion against God they can look up to Christ and be saved the talents the gifts the treasures that God has entrusted to us. He does so so that we can use them to impact others. You see, God gifts us not only with Christ, but with the means and the ability to share Christ with the world. You have gifts, you have skills, you have talents. During this Lenten season, it's an opportunity to reflect, how am I using all that God has given to me to serve him? Am I taking the time to fill out the pledge card? so I can serve him with my finances. And by the way, you still have time to do that. Do we really have a deadline on that? A hard and fast one? Yeah. Take the time. And I haven't looked at that card for a little while, but if there's not a place on it to put down how you want to serve God with talents and treasures, do it on the back side of the card. Just write it down. Make that, that commitment, that pledge. In this Lenten season where it's all about examining where we're at with God, it's also an opportunity to refresh and to renew with our eyes set forward on the cross. We heard at the beginning of the service that this is the lightest Sunday in the midst of the Lenten season because it falls approximately, not exactly, in the middle of the season. It's kind of that halfway point between Transfiguration Sunday, which Stinky and Harry talked about, and that's because on Transfiguration Sunday, you remember church was canceled. So I had to figure out a place to use that video we'd already taped. But that's where we're at. We're halfway between that mountain where God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Don't live your lives on your terms. Listen to him. Listen to how he is calling you to live in his kingdom. 
and to use all that he's given to you. Walk in the forgiveness and the grace, fixing your eyes upon Jesus each and every day. Let his word shape your actions, your attitude, your heart, your lives. And remember that God truly did send him as a gift because he loves each and every one of us. And so we are called to live not in the darkness of sin, not to hide, but rather to to let the light of Christ shine in our hearts and our lives so that as he is the light of the world, we reflect his light to the world around us. I like to say it this way. We are the moon to the sun. Just as our moon in the sky reflects the light of the sun, S-U-N, to our world, we are the lights that shine the reflection of Christ, the sun, S-O-N. And the more of us that shine, the brighter the light. And the world needs to see the light of Christ. We're called to look up and live. But in turn, we're called to let his light shine to the world so that others can live as well. Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.